Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Vigilance for the End Times. I just want to take a moment to thank those who have been uh, responding with their feedback concerning some of the past episodes and uh, how it is blessing their spiritual life. And uh, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to reach out to me. Uh, Please feel free to reach out to me on Facebook, Messenger, or by email. Also, feel free to message me uh, via Anchor or Spotify uh, with voice messages and let me know uh, what the podcasts are doing for you. Also, feel free to send me your feedback, uh, any suggestions on topics that you would like to uh, hear covered in some of the upcoming episodes. And I do take those recommendations very seriously and uh, prayerfully. So please feel free to do that. Uh, The episode we are on today, it's episode 11, Subdue the Flesh, Renew the Mind, Exercise the Spirit. And uh, that comes from 1 Thessalonians 5.23, where the Apostle Paul prays for the Thessalonian believers. And he says, I pray that your whole spirit and soul and body would be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Probably one of the main hindrances to spiritual growth that is common to most believers is the failure to distinguish between spirit, soul, and body. And yet right here in this verse, the Apostle Paul, who established more churches and discipled more believers than probably any man who ever lived. Right here in this verse, the Apostle Paul is giving us the starting point for understanding one of the most basic but most powerful principles of spiritual growth, that God's Word and God's Spirit deal with us on three levels, not just one or two. And that applies to everybody that's walking and breathing on planet Earth. Every single believer can expect God's Word and God's Spirit to deal with them on those three levels, spirit, soul, and body. Now, what I'm endeavoring to do, and I'm most certain that it's going to take at least one more podcast to cover this. It's a very broad topic. Um, What I'm going to show you is that the Word of God deals with these three parts of us in very different ways. He will deal with us according to our spirit, according to our soul realm, and according to our body. So there are, um, right there in that one verse uh, from 1 Thessalonians 5, I encourage you all to take the time this week to delve into that on your own personal uh, prayer time and study time. And don't wait for me to uh, develop it and open it up. Feel free to dive in on your own and just see what God's Word speaks to you about that subject. Um, Now, notice, okay, the Apostle Paul's order. Notice the order of Scripture. Where does God start in this particular lineup? He starts with, spirit, and then soul, and then body. If we will focus on 
our spirit and the emphasis of spiritual things in that regard. Everything, the spirit's where Jesus always started. Um, We, being in a physical body, we predominantly think in the physical terms first. We think in terms of how it affects me physically, how it affects my body, how is it going to affect my finances, how is it going to affect my physical well-being. Jesus flipped all of that upside down, and his focus was always on the spiritual first, never on the physical. If you look at everything that Jesus said and did, it was with an emphasis to recalibrate people's thinking and because he had to deal with their minds. See, Jesus could walk around all day casting out demons and healing the sick and performing miracles, but none of that would have renewed anyone's mind. They would have seen all these amazing miracles and they would know God's doing something amazing. He's all powerful and Jesus has this awesome anointing on him. Look at everything he's doing, but their minds would have remained exactly the same. So that's why he taught. That's why he taught in parables. That's why he taught them the way he did, the way he spoke. Take no thought for tomorrow. Your heavenly father cares for the birds of the air. How much more will he care for you? He was addressing every physical concern and physical focus they had to redirect all of their physical concerns, all of their physical focus. He was getting them to focus on the eternal, the unseen the unseen father. I've come to show you the father, he said. And that is where all of us will be in terms of how the Holy Spirit will deal with us. We've been Christians for many, many, many years, but in any given moment, we're going through a circumstance. Maybe we've been saved for 10, 15, 20, 30 years. But tomorrow you're going through something and (laughs) watch and pay attention to yourself. What is the first way you react? Are you reacting in the flesh by going, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to do with this God. Uh, I got a bill coming due and I'm worrying about how to pay it. Um, So-and-so is sick and oh my gosh, going to have to run to the doctor. I uh, wish I could figure out what's wrong. When our first, the Spirit's response would be to pray, to bring God in on the situation. And so many times our first focus is on a physically minded, earthly minded response, a sense oriented response. We're taking our directions from our mind and our body not our spirit, and not the Holy Spirit. So that is the focus we're going to have first, which is focusing on the spirit. Again, keeping in mind the order. I pray your whole spirit and soul and body would be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus. So we're going to keep that order. Um, I know one of the most basic things 
uh, with believers when they're struggling with different problems in their life is uh, they think maybe they're having a problem with their flesh. That's the number one enemy that most believers seem to point to when, for example, they're trying to come to grips with failings and shortcomings in their walk with the Lord. Um, Very seldom have I ever heard anyone say that the culprit is, oh, you know what? Um, I'm going through this in my life right now because I haven't renewed my mind enough to the word. I've, I don't think I've ever heard that one. Or, oh, I'm, I'm being harassed by demonic spirits, which sometimes comes up. But most of the time they, they fault themselves because they're looking to have the strength or the solution or the answer in and of themselves. And the starting point, really, for our walking in freedom and liberty in the Spirit is to understand, number one, God has made full provision to perfect us and mature us on the three levels that Paul has mentioned. So, in a nutshell, just very succinctly, here are God's three remedies. And when you read the letters of Paul. Now listen, when you read the epistles of Paul in the next few weeks, please pay attention to how he addresses these specific three areas, because you're going to see a pattern here. So God's three remedies, subdue the flesh, renew the mind, and exercise the spirit. Now you watch and see every time you hear the apostle Paul discussing, discussing matters of the flesh, what his proposed methods of dealing with it are. Um, With the mind, Paul makes numerous statements about renewing the mind, being renewed in the spirit of your mind, in Colossians, I believe Ephesians as well. Um, In Philippians, he says, think on these things. That's how your mind is renewed. Think on whatever is good, whatever things are just, lovely, of good report. So he's talking about the ways to renew your mind, uh, exercising your spirit. Um, we are getting into the realm of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, things that build up your spirit, exercising your spirit. If you're going to exercise your body, You don't just look at magazines of guys with awesome physiques. You do the actual work to get your body into the shape that you're wanting. You exercise it. So your spirit, your spirit man, can be exercised. And the the word in Jude, and I've got this written down here somewhere, Um, exercising your spirit. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. 1 Corinthians 14, 15. Exercising your spirit is a choice. It is an act of your will. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. He that prays in an unknown tongue does what? Edifies himself. That word edify in the Greek is... It's the same word used for someone who is building an edifice. That's where we get the word edify from. 
you're building a spiritual edifice. You're building yourself up. You are, you are building up your spiritual strength. Now, if you remember in one of the last episodes, we were talking about the the wording uh, in different passages in Romans, etc., where the things of the spirit um, signify power, which is dunamis, which is the word we get dynamo from. The Holy Spirit being active in you and being activated in you when you pray in the spirit, it results in spiritual strength. Jude one twenty. He said, Beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith by praying in the Spirit. It's not your mind. He didn't say praying in your mind. He didn't say praying in your emotions. He said praying in the Spirit. One thing that I am hoping um, everybody is, is on the same page with, and again, if you have any questions, please, please reach out to me. I don't want it to be just a one-way conversation uh, with the the podcast going out and people listening, and I thank you for that, and I pray it's blessing you, but please give me your feedback so that I can help you with different topics, different subjects, different issues. If there's questions you have about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, for example, and why is it relevant, um, I'm hoping that's already been covered, but... We are, I know it's not a mystery to anybody, I hope, at this point, where this world is heading and the things that are happening in the world all around us right now, past 18, 19 months. Um, Again, I've been a believer since 1978. I did not think I would ever live to see the kind of stuff that I'm seeing now. But I hope that we all understand that the things that we are seeing in the natural realm, the things that are being worked out in the natural realm on a political level, on a social level, etc., they are causative. They didn't just happen. And the causes are spiritual. Paul said we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spirits of wickedness and high places. Every day when you go out your front door, you should not be focused just on the physical surroundings. You should be walking out your front door with an understanding in your spirit and in your mind that you are walking into a spiritual world as well as a physical one. There is spiritual activity going on today over your head as you're walking outside to get your newspaper or go to your car to go to work or whatever the deal is, you look up in the skies and you see clouds, but in the heavenly realms, there's activity. And the time is coming very soon. I'm going off on a tangent for just a moment, but the time is coming upon us where those spiritual realities, that spiritual activity that is taking place in the heavenlies, it's going to 
intensify what's happening down here to a point where you had better be absolutely drenched in the Holy Spirit. He had better be inside you from wall to wall. They talk about wall-to-wall carpeting. You better have wall-to-wall Holy Spirit in you. Otherwise, just stay inside your house because it's going to be that intense. I have already experienced days where I'm feeling spiritual attacks and then I go online and all of a sudden, there it is. Somebody in a thread or somebody in a message is is attacking and I know it's not flesh and blood attacking me. I've I've actually dealt with people online and I know I'm not dealing with a person. It's a different entity that is using them. So I apologize. I did not mean to get off track, but again, I really want to emphasize that when Paul and Jude and Peter, Peter said, if any man ministers, let him do it with the ability that God gives, the ability, the dunamis, the supernatural supply of God's ability. The The subject of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a doctrinal thing. It is not a denominational thing. It is a spiritual reality thing. And those who want to walk out the Christian life in their own strength, God bless you. Uh, good luck with that. Um, it's not going to make it in this end time. I'll tell you that right now. It's not going to make it. You're going to be on your knees begging God for mercy and for help. And he's going to be, I sent the Holy Spirit. Invite him in. Uh, accept him. Receive him. The promise of the Father. The promise of the Father. The Jesus, John the Baptist said, Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, the promise of the Father. Wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. This is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit making themselves completely available to us. So, I don't know of anybody that's spiritually smart who has said, I'll take the Father, I'll take the Son, but you can keep the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I, uh, that's, that's not going to work out too good. Um, yeah, I, I hope that people are, are waking more and more up to the spiritual realities that are going on around us because we need everything that the blood of Jesus bought and paid for. And if Jesus said, it is better for you that I go away because if I don't, the Father won't be able to send the promised Comforter, the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus, the one who got shredded to hamburger and hung on a cross for you, for me, said it was better for him to go so that we could receive the Holy Spirit. I wouldn't want to ever have to stand before him as someone who turned that away. Jesus said to the Father, and I think it was John 17, he was praying for all those who would believe on him, not just the disciples that he was with. He said, I pray for those who will believe on me through their word, through their testimony. 
And he said, I pray that you would not, you would not take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. The Holy Spirit is the one who keeps us. But Jesus said, right now he is with you, but he will be in you. There is absolutely no biblical substitute for the Holy Spirit being in you, in you, in power, operating in you. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. He has his own will, his own desires. He is, it says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He is Lord. Jesus said, he that receives the one I send receives me. Well, the Holy Spirit's been sent. If we reject the one that has been sent, then we are rejecting Jesus. And that's not my word, that's the Bible. That's the New Testament. That's the principle that Jesus operated. He said, I have been sent by the Father, so I send you. He that receives you, receives me. But he also said, the Father is sending the Holy Spirit. If the Father, if the Father sent the Holy Spirit, there's only, I guess what I'm tr- I'm struggling to get across because I, I know there might be some people really with honest questions wrestling with this. I was there once back in 1982. And all I can tell you is that the mind, if we insist on God satisfying our brain, uh, I don't know. I don't know about that. I mean, how many people think it's foolish to be a Christian in the first place? How many people think it's foolish to believe in a Jesus that you can't see? Well, how many Christians think it's foolish to pray in tongues or speak in tongues? Sad reality, but there's tons of them. How many Christians think it's foolish to think you need to have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you? But if Jesus said, unless you become as little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And if Jesus out of his own mouth said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? You know the rest. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Number one, you have to have spiritual sense enough to humble your mind. God is not obligated to accommodate our minds on our level. We are the creation. He's the creator. Shall the pot say to the one that shapes it, what are you doing? We in the West have had a very elevated intellect for a long, long time. But God says, to this one will I look, to the one who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. He's not interested in us grasping anything spiritually, intellectually. He's interested in humble, yielded, hearts. That's it. So, the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Um, Paul said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. 
He also said, he that speaks in an unknown tongue builds himself up. He also understood that the Holy Spirit within him was the source of all spiritual power. He said, I serve God with my spirit, not his mind, not his body. He said, I serve God with my spirit. You take all these things together. And we understand why the Apostle Paul spoke in tongues more than anyone else. Because that was how he stayed spiritually empowered to do his ministry and to endure all of the hardships and tribulations that were put upon him. Remember, he said, I endure all things for the elect's sakes. He said, I labored more than all the rest of the apostles, but yet not I, but the grace of God and the power of God that was in me. It also explains how he ministered in revelation and divine authority and discipline, spiritual discipline with regards to the churches. And I believe that the more time you spend reading the New Testament letters of Paul, you begin to get a clear picture of the fact that he relied on the continual empowerment of the Holy Spirit to do everything. He said, by revelation, he said, the Spirit bears witness with my spirit that in every city, he said this in the book of Acts, he said that in every city, imprisonments and beatings Await me. Nonetheless, none of these things move me. The Holy Spirit showed him what he was going to walk into going into each and every city. But he knew he had the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, none of these things will move me off course. Now, I um I don't want to belabor that point anymore, but I am truly encouraging everyone who has any questions on that, please reach out to me. Um you know, again, we're 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 still dealing with the spirit, spirit, soul, and body. I pray that you, your whole spirit and soul and body would be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this subject has eternal ramifications for each one of us. So as we focus on the order that the Apostle Paul was speaking, it's very important that, and I'm, I'm saying everybody spend time on your own uh, looking into the Word of God on this subject and take your time, just go slowly and take your time and let the Word of God build upon itself for each one of those areas. Um, I remember, oh my gosh, years and years ago. Um, I think it was around 1985. Um, I was visiting a church in North Carolina one time. I'd only been baptized in the Holy Spirit a couple of years. And um, I was just visiting this church out of town. I, I was uh, helping someone with moving stuff, and um, anyway, came into this church service late, because we were just driving around, and we happened to see this church, and we thought, hey, let's go in there, and so we were late, I sat down at the very back, because I didn't want to disturb anything, and um, 
So I'm sitting in the back of this church, and I don't know, it was not that long after I walked in and sat down, um, there was a man up front, I don't know if he was the preacher or what, I can't remember, but uh, anyway, he starts prophesying and pointing to the back of the church, and I realized he was talking to me. Um, and I'd only been, like I said, baptized in the Holy Spirit a couple of years, but this was, and this was really something new to me. It had never happened before, but I definitely felt something in the spirit. Um, but long story short, um, at the end of the service, they were passing out like little pamphlets and different things. And, um, I got a hold of a little pamphlet on, praying in the spirit and I have never seen a pamphlet like that since Uh, I wish I had been able to keep a copy of it on me all these years because it was the most uh, easy to understand little pamphlet on praying in tongues and the benefits of praying in tongues and how it deals with cleaning out your flesh, your soul realm, which is next on Paul's hit list. Um, Put it like this. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, what shall I say to these things then? He says, to sum up, I will pray with the understanding and I will pray with the Spirit. I will sing with the understanding and I will sing with the Spirit. It's an act of your will. I'll be honest with you, I have had very few times in my life where I ever really felt like praying in tongues, because it's not always something my flesh wants to do, but that is precisely the point. When does your flesh feel like fasting? When does your flesh feel like praying or reading the Word? The Word of God clearly says that the flesh wars against the Spirit, and the Spirit wars against the flesh. So while we are in these unresurrected bodies, guess what? Our flesh is never going to feel like obeying God in anything. In the book of James, James says, if you can bridle the tongue, you've basically solved the problem. So what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer in exactly the same way he did in every instance in the book of Acts? He is laying claim to our body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He moves in. It's his now. God ordained it so that the initial response and the initial manifestation of his Holy Spirit having come upon us in power is that we would praise and worship and speak to him from our spirit by his spirit in tongues. The apostle Peter, that was the sign that told him, hey, guess what, fellow Jewish apostles? The Gentiles have received the Holy Spirit in the same way we did. He didn't say they believed the same stuff doctrinally. He didn't say that they, oh, they received what I preached. He said, they have received the Holy Spirit just like we did in the same 
manner, because it said, when the Holy Spirit fell on Cornelius and his household, they began praising and worshiping God in other tongues. Now, listen, (laughs) if the apostles took that as God's seal of approval, that the unclean heathen Gentiles were now being grafted into the Jewish church, what possible right do we have to take issue with that? So, the fact is, our human nature needs to be 100% subjected to our Creator, and this is the way He has chosen to do it. Again, this is by God's design, and the hour is late. So, if there's some that take issue with it, Take it up with the Lord. Take it up with his word. God isn't going to change what he wrote. The apostle Peter's not going to come down from heaven and say, oh, you know what? I was wrong. I was wrong. It wasn't because, you know, the Holy Spirit came on him. It's right there in the book of Acts. So, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the right words because again, I, I still feel like, um, there's somebody out there who needs help with this. And I totally empathize because, again, I was there for five years. But God can only meet us on the grounds of us humbling ourselves. And I did not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit while I was fighting it, while I was objecting to it, while I was trying to use Scripture to defend my arrogance, while I was trying to use Scripture to defend my unbelief. I only received the promise of the Father when I read those words of Jesus in Luke and where he said, if you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? And I said, Father God, I, I, I see that now. I see it. I mean, I was truly, truly humbled to the core. And I said, Father God, if the Holy Spirit is something you say I need, man, I, I, I ask you, please give me everything of the Holy Spirit. And the next thing I know, boom. And I was an introvert up to that point. The next day, I am walking to my job, singing at the top of my lungs in tongues. And the more I did it, the freer I felt. I wonder why that is. Oh, right, because the Word of God says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And (laughs) here is... Another thought, okay, once spiritual reality becomes as real to us as physical realities, then we're going somewhere. But to circle back around, with without the Holy Spirit truly indwelling us according to the way the New Testament tells it, we're going to have a very, very hard time with spiritual things being real to us. Because Paul said, 
the natural mind, meaning the carnal mind, does not accept the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness to the carnal mind. However, the person with the Spirit accepts the things of the Spirit. Um, he says, says elsewhere, uh, speaking of spiritual things and spiritual words given by the Holy Spirit, there's, there's no going around this mountain. Um, everything that we need spiritually comes from one source, the Holy Spirit being in our spirit and energizing us. Um, I appreciate the patience of my listeners as I struggle to, to get this across. I will tell you this. Now, Paul said, the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Our faith comes from God himself. And because our faith comes from God, it comes from comes with his kingdom authority because we have been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. So our faith, as it operates here on earth, is not a faith of human will or human design. It is from the very throne of God himself. It has his authority behind it and in it and operating through it. As Jesus said, the Father has sent me, so I send you. It is it is spiritual authority from the throne of God itself. And sorry, I'm just I'm really I'm really feeling something um in the spirit and I I I'm I'm yeah. Well, you know what? I'm just going to carry on. And uh, and I hope that whoever is listening to this, and if you're having some difficulty, I am praying in Jesus' name that you will reach out to me and feel free to express yourself. And um, and we'll, we'll get you some help, <laughs> I promise. Um, but spiritually... Our value system is all backwards, humanly speaking, and that's where God begins training us. We're conditioned by the world we live in to make our judgments based on physical appearances and what our five senses tell us. Our mind and emotions assess what our five senses inform us of, and we make our decision based on that. But by contrast, okay, how often do we make a decision based on what our spirit tells us or based on what the Holy Spirit is impressing upon us. So part of exercising our spirit is training ourselves to make the Holy Spirit our first point of reference in decision-making, in everyday choices. Lean not, it says, unto your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths but we have to come to him not with our minds all made up um 
Now, next to being receptive to and led by the Spirit, we move on to the next topic, which is the soul. And the number one goal for every Spirit-filled, Spirit-led believer is that of soul maturity, where the soul does not dictate how you feel, how you think, how you react, or how you behave. It is your spirit and your sanctified will that dictate those things. Again, I I don't wake up every morning and like, oh, I feel like praying in tongues today. Um, But I will give you a short little testimony. A few weeks ago, I had gotten up and uh, was going to be taking my daughter somewhere. And she had a lot of things to do that day. And I got up feeling draggy. And I went, I got in the shower. I was really tired, so I was taking a nice long shower. And as I'm showering, I thought, you know what? I'm going to be in here for a while anyway. I might as well just pray in tongues. And so that is what I did. And let me tell you, I didn't feel goosebumps. I didn't feel a buzz. I didn't feel revelation. I just did it. Like when you're doing a physical workout, you don't do it because it makes you feel good. You have to actually exert yourself. And so for probably about 25 minutes straight in the shower, I just prayed in tongues. The next day, we had to do another day full of errands and everything. And it was, (laughs) we walked out the door to go to the van and, uh, all of a sudden, it was like I had just this burst of energy that lasted pretty much the whole day. I had not done anything different. I had not done any exercises or anything. There was no natural reason for me to have this burst of energy. And as we were out and about, I realized that was energy from my spirit from the day before because I had I had invested the time, I had exercised my spirit, and it had an effect on my physical body. Now, I've only had that happen a couple of times, but it really made an impression on me. Um, but again, it is getting back to the soul. When you exercise your spirit... You are humbling your mind when you're praying in the spirit, when you're praying in tongues, you're humbling your mind because your mind does not know what you're saying, but that's not the point. Paul said, if I speak in an unknown tongue, my mind is unfruitful. However, in the spirit, I'm speaking mysteries to God. I am building myself up in the spirit. Everything in our Christian life, everything in our, in our world comes from your, your spirit. All of the, Lord help me, I'm really trying to get this across. It says in Proverbs, guard your heart with all diligence for, diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Jesus said, the flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit that gives what? Life. It is the spirit that quickens. It is the spirit that gives life. Now, look at all the fasting that Jesus did continually. He was always 
going away by himself to quiet places to pray early says before before daybreak before the sun came up you know he spent hours and hours alone praying fasting he would say things to the disciples like i have meat to eat that you do not know of my meat is to do the will of him that sent me his focus was always on the spirit and praying in the spirit keeps your focus on the things of the spirit. Remember in Romans it says to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. The easiest way to keep yourself spiritually focused is to pray in tongues. I mean, if you want to talk about the lazy way to stay spiritual, I don't mean lazy in a negative sense, but I'm just saying the most effortless way to keep your mind focused on spiritual things is to pray in tongues. Because I like this uh, this one young believer from many, many years ago at a church. We were having a, a home group Bible study, and uh, someone asked him, what does praying in tongues do for him? And his name was Danny. And he said, praying in tongues reminds me of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. He was a new Christian. (laughs) He said this, and I never forgot it. Actually, that was 1983. And I never forgot that. This young kid, freckle-faced boy that had just gotten saved a few months before. And yeah, that that was what praying in tongues did for him. It reminded him and kept him, kept him mindful, kept him mindful. Again, those who have their minds set on the spirit, it says, keep your mind set on the spirit. And if you're praying in the spirit, I guarantee you, if you're praying in tongues, your mind is not going to be thinking about, you know, tomorrow's basketball game or something like that. You're going to be thinking about the spirit. So anyway, I, uh. I don't want to run out of time here because I did want to spend more time on topic number two, God dealing with the soul realm. Um, And I got to tell you, um, you know, what I just said a few minutes ago about the goal for every spirit-filled believer is that of soul maturity, where your soul does not dictate how you feel, how you think, how you react, how you behave. It is your spirit and your sanctified will that dictate those things. Um, my wife Rupa came to my mind. Um, and to me, honestly, she is the perfect example of someone whose soul was completely subject to her spirit and the word and the will of God. Um, from the very and I'm not just saying this because she was my wife. I'm I'm saying this based on how she lived. Uh from the moment I first met Rupa, she had such a peaceful, serene, loving spirit. But what was incomprehensibly amazing to me is that those qualities only became greater during the 16 years of her horrific health issues. Um, 
trust me, I've known people who were far less sick and in far less traumatic pain who were just unbearable for their family to be around. And I would not fault anybody uh, in that condition for being hard to live with. But um, my Rupa never was. In fact, um, over time, she only became more and more focused on others than on herself. I remember um, years and years ago, some deacons from a church down the road came over to pray for her. She was sitting in the uh, recliner in the living room, which was where she was 90% of the time. And they came over to lay hands on her, anoint her with oil and pray over her. And at the end of it, she asked if she could pray for them. That was my wife. Um, she was back here in her hospital bed. I'm in our, our room right now recording and she was in her hospital bed back here. She had an adjustable bed cause she had to, uh, sleep at a 45 degree angle or she could choke to death in her sleep. And, um, so we were back here and, uh, we were having a, I guess a phone conference with one of her doctors and we, um, one end of life doctor was supposed to meet with us and he was calling us to apologize for being late. Um, he was held up at the hospital because his daughter, his young daughter had, um, just been diagnosed with having cancer and Rupa started to cry and she bowed her head and started to pray for him right there on the phone. My wife in bed instead of in a hospice unit where the doctor, where her family doctor wanted to put her. She's praying for this other doctor on the phone whose daughter has cancer with tears in her eyes. Um, Rupa was consistently others focused. And um, to me, that's nothing short of miraculous um, so if someone in my wife's condition, being a prisoner in her own body for 16 years, struggling constantly with pain, anxiety attacks, fear, <laughs> loneliness from being disowned by her own family, her flesh and blood family, um, if someone like my Rupa could maintain the peaceful, loving soul that she did, then hey man, I'm, I'm without excuse, 100%. Um, I mean, I was married to someone who showed me that it is, it is entirely possible to be led by a spirit of love and forgiveness and contentment in the Lord in spite of everything that hell has to throw at you. And I will tell you, she is the example that... I hold in front of myself every day. She's the example I lived with for over 19 years. A living, breathing example of an unshakable, unbeatable, Christ-like spirit that I can hold up to you, my brothers and sisters, as I shine a light and say, it is possible to live this way. Your circumstances, your health, your relationships do not have to dictate the condition of your soul and what emanates from it. Um, 
and I remind myself almost on a daily basis of everything that my wife endured. When I'm feeling like I can't hack it anymore, when I can't handle the the pain of the grief of missing my wife, I remember the the pain and suffering and anxiety and fear she fought for 16 some odd years because of a body that did not want to do anything but torment her. So I um I woke up in bed this morning and I was thinking about my wife and everything that she taught me with the way she lived and a verse a piece of a verse came to mind I looked it up later it's Psalm 94:13 and it says you grant him power to calm himself or to hold himself steady and find peace in the days of adversity until the pit is dug for the wicked and the ungodly. I'm going to read that again because that's something we really are going to need to take hold of in these next few weeks and months. Psalm 94:13, and I think this was in the Amplified, if I'm not mistaken. You grant him power to calm himself and find peace in the days of adversity, or you grant him power to hold himself steady and to be at peace during the days of adversity. Jesus said regarding the coming tribulations, in your patience you possess your souls. Now this is precisely why, listen closely, this is precisely why Paul made such statements, such as, I serve God with my spirit. He did not allow his body or his soul to determine how he served the Lord, regardless of the circumstances. Um, so we are running up on an hour almost now, but what I do want to get across when it comes to... Um, the soul realm, and how God deals with our soul. Um, one more thing is that, you know what? Walking by faith demands a mature soul because we must walk by faith, not by sight. And guess what? The soul doesn't always get what it wants when it wants it when you're walking by faith. Uh, Hebrews 11, <laughs> read that. All of those who died in faith not having received the promise. Now, could you really live a life like that? Oh, yes, brother, I'll walk in faith till the day I die, even if I don't get anything I was believing God for. Okay, well, I'll watch you. I'll watch you do that. You watch me. But honestly, walking in faith demands a mature soul. What did Paul say? He said, I have learned regardless of the circumstances, to be content. He said, I have learned, I have learned. Well, who was his teacher? The Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's job is to teach us how to walk in faith with patience, with courage, with forgiveness, with humility, with total dependence on God, with what's coming on the earth right now, we are going to have to have a very strong hold on our soul realm. But in all of these things, 
we must continually be mindful of this. In Philippians, I think it is. It is God who is at work in us to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Listen, believers, listen. Never at any time must the focus be on only us and only our ability. Our focus must absolutely be on how we can cooperate with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God working in us. The psalmist said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Add that to yielding to the Holy Spirit. So if you have his word, his living word hidden in your heart, and then you're yielding to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit is able to give you the wisdom, the guidance, the counsel you need at that moment for that situation. So in closing, I just want to um, bless you all for listening. Thank you so much. And I am seriously praying that anyone who has any questions uh, about anything that was discussed tonight, please reach out to me and um, by messenger, etc. And I would love to, to converse with you and have a chat. So in Jesus' name, I bless you, my listeners, and I understand we are living in some extremely trying times, so that is all the more reason why I urge you, if you have not received the Holy Spirit, please spend some time before the Lord tonight, or whenever you're listening to this, spend some time in the Word, and let the Word make up your mind. Don't you make up your own mind about it. Let the Word of God make up your mind. And just be, like Jesus said, come to the Father as a little child. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly in heart. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. So just be humble, teachable. Um, and above all, just know that the Holy Spirit was sent to do so much in us and through us that we cannot do in and through ourselves. So in Jesus' name, I commit you to the Lord tonight. Brothers and sisters, I love you very much, and I look forward to hearing from you. God bless you.